You are listening to Kachib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast, the final podcast for the accursed year of 2023, series number five, episode six. It's JJ Sefton here, along with my good friend, co-blogger and colleague, CBD. And to help us wrap things up is uh, one of our favorite pundits who joins us uh, every now and again for his wonderful and insightful views, our co-blogger and friend, uh, Joe Mannix. Joe CBD, good morning, gentlemen, and happy pre-New Year blessings. Good morning. Um, I'm pleased with my crown. I don't know if uh, all of you have have realized that I am uh, <laughs> BFBMOE, which is best fucking biscuit maker on earth. I will stick to that for the next, oh, I don't know, 10, 20 years. But uh, anyway, that's my claim to fame now. <laughs> it's Joe, a how better you claim to fame than mine. I don't have one. I'm doing great. Good morning and happy new year. Thanks for having me again. Our pleasure. Um, so so today we're gonna we're going to uh as we as we have done in the last few episodes, I don't know how we're gonna do it, but we're gonna try to keep it light with a uh, a bit of a, a quick recap of all of the events of twenty twenty three. And considering the disasters that have befallen us and as we head toward dissolution and Armageddon, uh, we'll try to keep it light in that vein. <laughs> so, gentlemen, uh, I, whoever is controlling the uh, the whiteboard, what's what's first up uh, up to the up to plate? All right, let's um, let's start off with a less light topic. How about our uh, increasing number of foreign policy disasters? Um, the, I have not seen a foreign policy year maybe as bad as this one. Some of Obama's foreign policy years were pretty awful. Um, but this one has been sensationally bad, uh, whether it's south of the border or the Middle East or Europe or Asia. Um, there's been an awful lot of ball dropping going on. It's uh, it's pretty spectacular from the from the kneeling and scraping to Xi Jinping in San Francisco uh, to the utter just a total ignorance of everything south of the border um and of course the recent disasters in the red sea and the and the the war in europe and how that's the most important thing ever unless it isn't um the the foreign policy the foreign policy area hasn't uh, been great let's just say i'm not very impressed with anthony blinken well i, I think that that <laughs> there there are a, a couple of things going on and and you know you we, we should expect some sort of a realignment in our foreign policy as administrations change and that's absolutely as i said that's to be expected but this realignment is not so much a realignment as a retreat from our allies and a- approaching what seems like every single enemy on earth the the games that uh that the Biden junta play with China are disgusting. And it's so obvious that they are, they're in the tank for China. Um, But we, but the United States has also retreated from its allies to a great extent. You know, the, the public persona of, of the administration with regards to the Gaza war and Israel uh, is nominally pro-Israeli and nominally pro-West, but the reality of it behind the scenes is that they are pushing very, very hard for a ceasefire. They are pushing very, very hard for uh, for money to be released to the Palestinian Authority. They are pushing very, very hard for Israel simply to stop. And to, to what end, uh, other than to to embolden Iran? I, I simply do not know. But but the answer, of course, is as simple as that. It is to embolden Iran. The the Biden junta is four square behind the mullahs in iran and the goal of the mullahs in iran is a worldwide caliphate 
and the destruction of Israel and the destruction of the United States. So how that makes any sense at all, you got me. Yeah. You know, I, I was just 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 a quick point. Um, Joe, uh, Joe said that the war in Europe and I was like, what? <laughs> a war in Europe broke out? <laughs> I think he obviously meant the war in Israel going on with Gaza, but you know, no, to your I, point, meant, I, I meant, meant Ukraine. Ukraine. I meant Ukraine. Oh, Don't you remember well, Ukraine? Oh, I did. Who can forget Ukraine? <laughs> Robert Plant. Does anybody remember laughter? Europe, I don't think of generally speaking. And, you know, and this is the point that's actually sort of makes a little bit of a point in my defense. When you say Europe, I don't think of Ukraine. Ukraine to me is, yes, it is the Western part. Well, you know, Western Russia, European Russia or the European Russian sphere. But I was thinking, you know, you, you were going to talk about, about Gaza. But again, to my shame, yes, it's, it is. There is a war in Ukraine. And we're going to get to that in particular in a minute, because some I think some good things are happening there vis-a-vis what all of us have been discussing, which is keeping America the hell out of it. Uh, but but yeah. more to the point of the, the foreign policy disasters, there's one thing that crystallizes it. I mean, that just happened today. The, the uh, Blinken, I believe, went south of the border to talk with ostensibly uh, AMLO, L- Lopez Obrador, the Marxist president of, of, uh, of Mexico, to try to get him to, to uh, do whatever he can to stop the flow of uh, you know, this massive invasion of, uh, of migrants north. And basically he told him, you know, to go to go F himself, he's going to increase it and screw you. And what this means and what this indicates is someone, one of the pundits had said, Usually when you go to have a high level meeting with a foreign uh, power, that's going to be a public meeting. You have pre weeks in advance. You have already signed all the treaties and, and concluded all the deals. So it's really just a pro forma thing for the cameras. But these idiots from freaking Foggy Bottom went there without any kind of a deal beforehand. And that is such a rookie, stupid mistake that it's unbelievable. And they got pantsed by this by this freaking commie. But then again, you know, Biden wants the invasion. So so there is that. But uh, yes, let's let's go back to Ukraine, because it seems now that uh, that finally, you know, the, the forces that are pushing for a frickin war with the Russians over Ukraine are finally realizing that as long as this has gone on, that Ukraine does not have a, sh- a shot in hell at winning or at least preserving their entire territory. And so they better make some concessions, which means basically that the war is over and the Russians, to whatever extent you want to define it, won it. Yeah, I'm willing to bet that what they're really talking about there is Ukraine quits making noise about Crimea that remains with Russia and they try to get Russia to withdraw from the parts of Ukraine it snipped off for itself. You know, the the ethnic Russian parts for the most part. Um, I sort of doubt that Putin is going to go for that, but it's it's sort of the first crack in the Ukraine shall not be defeated wall. Um, which is which I think is meaningful. Um, and to what you were just saying, JJ, just on a slightly different note, we have gone from a a world without a whole lot of armed conflict to having so much armed conflict in so many places that um, we were able to talk across each other as to which war we were discussing at the moment. Um, <laughs> exactly. If that's if if that's not a an indicator of uh, of where we were and where we've where we've gotten to in relatively short order, I don't know what is. Well, what was the last war on the European continent? I uh, I mean, you could Yugoslavia. argue that you could argue Yugoslavia. that. I'm sorry. Yugoslavia, right? Yeah, yeah. The so so Bosnia we're going back thirty years. War. Yeah, or almost thirty years. And there's occasionally a little bit of clashing between Greece and Turkey and Cyprus, but those usually uh, aren't big wars. Yeah, that's like yeah. the you know the uh, the 
the uh, border clashes between India and Pakistan. I think yeah, it's I mean, just sort of sport. You know, oh, let's play soccer. No, 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 let's fight a little bit. Uh, you know, it happens every once in a while, but it wasn't, those were no, th- th- that wasn't a significant border realignment. That's, you know, well, you 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 put your uh, guardhouse five yards onto Greece, onto Greek territory. Therefore, we're going to start a war. It doesn't really last very long. But this is, yeah, this, this is a big one. This is it. But as I say, it's, and, and, and I think um, we're all in agreement, it's none of our fucking business. The fact no, that, exactly. that Ukraine and Russia yeah. are arguing about a border has nothing to do with us. That, absolutely. This is, this is a, a, a regional, it's basically a regional war between two Slavic nations that share a very, very common and if, if not contentious uh, history. And it's been going on for a very, very long time. And again, our national interest is not served there. The only thing that is that's potentially crazy is that Russia, one of the one of the combatants, has nuclear missiles and is nuclear capable of launching nuclear missiles on us or anywhere in the world. But other than that, they're kind of yes. I mean, we had this argument before. Yeah, they're they're basically a first world country, but they're you know they're 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 not. They're not going to roll over Eastern Europe as everyone claims that they're going to do so, because if they're going to roll over Eastern Europe, then how the hell is it possible it takes them two years to even get us to not even conquer Ukraine when they were supposed to take over Ukraine in 48 hours after the initial invasion? But yes, it serves no national security interests. But the one salient point is because of our national security and diplomatic fuck ups uh, post the collapse of the Soviet Union, we sort of set the stage for this crap. And, you know, we promised the Russians that we were not going to expand NATO uh, to the east. And what did we do? We told them, haha, up yours. We won the Cold War and we're going to do just that. So instead of inviting the Russians into our sphere and to you know let them become part of Europe uh, or at least part of an American, you know, if not an alliance, then at least an American rapprochement and, 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 and relations, we totally alienated them. And that's the most ridiculous it was a it was a blunder of foggy bottom that goes back well, several of the this, this this follows what what Joe said about the foreign policy disasters all over the world. We should never have looked at Russia as anything other than a cold war uh, I don't even know. I mean, yes, we were enemies, but as the Cold War wound down, we could have had this, you know this this lukewarm relationship. You, you know, you stay on in, in your backyard, we'll stay in our backyard, and we'll just ignore everything else. That could work. But the idea that we are either going to embrace Russia as part of the West or return to the Cold War and fight them everywhere, I think is, is irrational. Because, first of all, Russia is not a power anymore. Whether it was in the 70s and 80s is up for debate, but they are certainly not a world power anymore. And for us to treat them as such is insulting to the many, many men and women in Eastern Europe who died to fight the Russians or to fight the Soviet Union. They're, they won, but we are giving that we're giving the Soviet Union a, another breath. And that's just ridiculous. And, you know, Blinken is as guilty of this as as uh, Biden, uh, although I know should we yeah. call him Biden. Or should we call him Obama? I don't know. Make up some word. Obama Biden. Obama. Right. Because yeah, it's, it's Obama Biden. Biden is, is is not doing a damn thing. I mean, he thinks he's yeah. doing something, but he's he's there. His strings are being pulled by 
if and, and who the hell is pulling Obama's strings? Because he he all he is is a is a uh, is an ideological what cutout and 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 whatever. Who he wants the same things, but he's just he's just there as the as the public relations face of it. Uh, it's Valerie Jarrett, Susan Rice, potentially Samantha Power, and and uh, maybe that idiot Axelrod or some some combination of all of those people. But you know what's amazing is that. Um, you know, what happened this past year is uh, we had the passing out of, after being at 100 years of age of Henry Kissinger. And whether you whether you liked him or hated him or thought he was brilliant or thought he was an idiot, uh, the man really was at the helm. When, when, when I was a kid, when you saw Henry Kissinger, whatever I, my lack of knowledge of real world events at, at the time of my youth, at least you felt there was some sense of stability and that there really were the quote unquote adults in charge of the room. And America, whether you wanted it to be that way or not, not that it was the world's policeman, but America's strength and America's power and it's willing to flex that power, uh, especially with you know Republican administrations, uh, meant that you know we meant business and the world was going to be, generally speaking, a secure place. You didn't have to worry about Armageddon. Now every freaking you know bad actor in the world is uh, is ready to set the world on fire and with us in the middle of it. And uh, it, it's sort of kind of ironic and. And telling that uh, this 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 is happening with the passing we're, of uh, of Henry Kissinger. Yeah, but weren't we told that the grown-ups are back in control now? Yes, exactly. <laughs> we yeah. were assured time and time again that that mm, peace, love, motherhood, and integrity had returned to Washington. Oh yes. So let's let's move on to the uh, the Gaza war, which I think is is being conducted reasonably well by Israel. Um, I have reservations about. Uh, their lack of aggressiveness, and I think that their their cowtown. No, that's not fair. Uh, their their acceptance of the 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 soft Western um, belief that that a war can be human humanitarian is, I think, not very good for Israel because more Israeli soldiers will die because of that. But uh, Israel is is butting heads with the United States every single day about how to conduct this war. And I think for the most part, Israel is winning that battle. On the, on the downside, is, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I think it is in part because they can. So unlike, say, Ukraine, um, Israel gets a lot of military support and aid from the United States, but it does have the ability to make its own choices, right? It does have its own production, its own research, Um they can arm themselves. They probably can't arm themselves adequately, uh, which is why this is still even a conversation, but they are not a totally dependent player um, in the manner that Ukraine appears to be. So that gives them some autonomy. And I think they're pushing back in a, where they can. And that's why they have defied the United States in the way that Israel has. Um, and that's also why they're still in Gaza and still leveling the place. Um, and and fighting it in a way that appears to me as an outsider anyway, it appears that Israel is fighting it to the end, um, which they have not done in recent memory. Um, and so I actually think that's a something of a positive. Uh, I am firmly on Israel's side of this one. But the I think the reason they have been able to tell the United States to go get bent is they do have at least some degree of autonomy because they've been fairly careful in developing their uh, economy and research base and, and production in a way that they can 
um, they can buy that autonomy for themselves in a way that that some of these other countries haven't. And that's that's a fascinating point. And he's 100 percent correct. And if you compare Ukraine with Israel, Ukraine is what, five times the size of Israel and had had a solid industrial base courtesy of the Soviet Union and a solid military base courtesy of the Soviet Union. And yet, you know, fast forward 30 years and they have nothing, essentially. Um, they they you cannot they cannot stand up to a to a decaying regional power for more than a couple of weeks, and that's why they needed they have needed tens of billions, probably uh, pushing hundreds of billions of dollars worth of of military material and support from the West. And Israel is getting, you know, a few billion dollars worth of J dams and uh, and you know resupplying their missiles, but that's about it. Right. The, the, you know, the, the observation for me is that with Ukraine, it, it's not only the money that they're getting and the reason that they can't sustain it uh, is because they're a kleptocracy. They're one of the most corrupt, if not the most corrupt government on the planet. Those millions or billions of dollars that are going, I guarantee you that a very large chunk of it is going to Zelensky personally and his cronies, if not kickbacks to uh, Biden and company via Burisma. But that aside, you know, just going back to Israel, though, um, on the downside, uh, CBD, to your point, uh, that they're taking all these losses and they're trying to be as humanitarian as possible. I think, and I can't necessarily blame them for this. Um, they are concerned about the hostages and they're, they're putting the hostages or hostages of the recovery of the Israeli hostages uh, primary as a, and, and then a close second is the elimination of Hamas. And at this point, I think you can't, you know, and I hate to say it, I don't think you can do that. I think the primary mission has to be wiping Hamas from the face of the earth. And if at all possible, if you find hostages to definitely free them, uh, hopefully as unharmed or alive as you can. But uh, on, the, on the plus side of it, yes, they are telling America. And for the first time, they have the, the right to tell America to go screw themselves, because obviously they have a, a regime and they know there's a regime in, in D.C. that is hell bent on. Uh, that hates Israel, hates Jews, is openly anti-Semitic, and wants to redress the balance of the Middle East so that Iran is the dominant power there, regardless of the insanity of that. So that is the plus side. I think Israel ultimately is going to win this thing. Um, unfortunately, it's going to take a lot more Israeli soldiers' lives to do so. And uh, they're just going to, you know, ultimately, we'll see what happens. Winning the war is one thing. Now, of course, uh, securing the peace and what that looks like is 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 another story. And by the way, this happened last week uh, as we're recapping, uh, you know, 2023 and the question of what the Israeli government is going to do post the war. The goddamn Supreme Court unilaterally decides that they're going to reject the legitimately enacted law for judicial reform. And this is like as close to stabbing your own country in the back in time of war and a treasonous as, as an act as I can possibly imagine. Uh, it's it's unbelievable that they would do this, especially at this juncture. But of course, leftists are leftists the world over, and and you know they they could care less. But that's such a horrible turn of events. Joe. Yep. Uh, nothing really to add. Although it's even to a greater degree than leftism, um, which is certainly an undercurrent in all of this. The court is. It should surprise nobody that if you go to a committee and say, we'd like you to sign off on our bill to disempower your committee, that that committee is going to say no. 
um, that's more or less inevitable. The same problem will happen here if Congress ever decides to start cracking down on the administrative state or closing agencies. Um, and what will so that outcome that the court says, no, you're not allowed to tell us we're not allowed to do that um, doesn't surprise me. We I'm waiting to see what happens next, because this was incredibly predictable. You don't go to a man and say, sign this document that says you're a nobody. Um, you're not going to get that signature. I think uh, my, the, my, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think that the Gaza war is going to change Israel's uh, opinion of what is going on. Um, Very easily could. Yeah. I, I, um, Israel, Israeli society has coalesced uh, to a degree that it has not been in many, many years. And I think that the uh, the Supreme Court, the Israeli Supreme Court is going to be I'm hoping, by the way, folks. uh, But I think that the Israeli Supreme Court is going to be surprised at the degree of pushback from from the people of the state of Israel. Is there a I I don't know Israeli law in time of war. Does Benjamin Netanyahu have the have the power to basically dissolve the Supreme Court and replace it? I mean, can you imagine the the, uh, the outcry if he does that? But I I don't think he has the power and I don't think he's stupid enough to do it. Exactly. Although that's not fair. He he is. He is quite stupid in many, many ways. (laughs) Oh, God. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. What's next on the hit parade, boys? You have the you have the whiteboard. Well, I'll I'll step in. Um, we have a wonderful list from Joe, so we're just going to follow his lead. Um, let's talk about uh, let's move back to the United States and talk about um, the rapidly declining inflation on the wonderful economy that we have. Because apparently, when inflation decreases from fifteen percent a year to ten percent a year, that means that inflation has dropped five percent. I think <laughs> I don't know. The math makes no sense to me. Joe, maybe you can help well, us it's with dr- that. Well, it's 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 even better. It's dropped by a third. But what (laughs) what I what I love is all of the this caterwauling from Biden increasing in volume toward the end of the year here that you you assholes in the press aren't doing a good enough job selling my awesome economy. And (laughs) it's because there's they, the, the press in an effort to um, I think in an effort to carry water for the administration, but also more importantly, because they're very stupid sold a reduction in inflation as a return to normality of prices. And so the way they've basically sold this, and, and if you know anything about, about economics or you you work with math in your daily life you know that this is nonsense but a whole lot of people don't know anything about economics and don't work with math in their daily lives so they view it as if inflation comes down back to the old normal say it's two or three percent if inflation drops then that means that my my turkey dinner i'm buying for thanksgiving gets cheaper it goes back to where it was in in 2019 and no it won't and i think the press has done themselves and the administration a great disservice by being a bunch of deceitful morons because the way they've sold this is when inflation comes down everything is sunshine and rainbows again and now inflation has come down at least a little but prices are still really high, and that's the way it works. It's permanent unless there's a deflation. And they did a very bad job of setting expectations with the American public. And now a whole lot of the American public that isn't necessarily sophisticated in economics is looking at it and going, you're saying inflation is down, but I'm still getting eaten alive at the grocery store. What the hell is going on? And now all Biden can do is cry to the press that they're not doing a good enough job with messaging when their excellent messaging is, in fact, in my opinion, one of the things that caused the problem in the first place. So that's... Um, um, that that 
that's pretty amusing. I could be way off base on that, but I think it's a combination of uh, of sunny predictions and general ignorance that led the press to set a wildly incorrect expectation. And now now the administration is having to to try to spin it. Well, I, I think it's both of those. Um, and, and what really frustrates me is the ignorance about basic economic theory. And that is that that inflation is bad on, on every single front. And the idea that once inflation comes down, everything is going to be calm is ridiculous. What what inflation does is introduce chaos to to economic decisions. And so a, a company looks at inflation and says, well, I don't know how to price my product and I don't know how to order for you know, third quarter 24. I simply do not know what to do because I cannot predict with any degree of accuracy how my costs will change. And and even though inflation is coming back down, everything has to reset. The entire economy has to reset. And that is why infl- one of the many reasons that inflation is so destructive to an economy. And and for the for the Biden administration to look at that and say, well, everything is is just coming up roses because inflation is now I think the official number is about three and a half percent at this point, which is, of course, total bullshit. And any human being who can who, who knows how to shop, uh, who can who can cross the street to the supermarket without assistance, realizes that that's total shit. But yeah, a, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I, I was I was to, to, to Joe's point, and And it's it's yes. I mean, people and, and look, I, I do not claim to be any kind of an economics wizard and a lot of the stuff. Really, whether Buck or you guys post it or whatever, and I look at it, my eyes kind of glaze over and I can't quite follow it. But at the same token, you know, you make the very salient point that the the messaging does not align with the average person's, you know, math whiz or not, their average person's experience. And they are pissed, whether it's at the gas pump, whether it's buying food, whether it's, you know, what or, you know, the price of homes or if you can even get a home these days. Uh, it's it's out of control and their, their money money is buying less we have statistics where people are maxing out credit cards they are dipping into savings and retirement accounts now and this is, is you know is totally and completely unsustainable but again from from the hunter's point of view now you have you know knuckleheads like this idiot jerome powell at the fed who you know surprise surprise just in time for an election year he decides to cut interest rates at the fed you know so everything will you know artificially well, maybe bigger the, yeah maybe maybe uh, but yeah but still, the, it's, and the, the the point on messaging um and i think this might be a, a part of it is you know it's become you can set your clock by it right when there's bad news the the administration is going to complain about messaging um you're not you're not delivering the message properly and I think they might actually believe it. I mean, the the postmodern worldview is that, you know, you socially construct everything. You speak it into being um, as, as if you were God. And <laughs> so if if it's not good, if people don't believe it, it must be because the messaging is bad. It cannot be that the messaging doesn't match the reality, which is, in fact, as you put it, JJ, the real problem. It's that where you're not messaging it right because we spoke it into being and therefore it must be into being. And if it's not into being, you spoke it wrong. Well, that that's true. But uh, what, I, what I'm saying is the average person who, you know, they don't know from, you know, your truth, my truth, and, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, whatever the, the stupid uh, sociological or, or you know, woke crap that you learn in the Ivy League about, uh, uh, you, know, pers- you know, multiple perspectives, which is a total, tr- the truth is, when you're paying, you know, four dollars, five dollars a gallon for gas, turkey costs, 
you know, whatever, $4 a pound and your wages are the same and the, the dollar buys less. It doesn't matter what, what, how it's being sold. I mean, it's total bullshit. It, one, it doesn't add up to the average person. And if you want to sort of segue, right. and I think this is, this is the case uh, on a totally different front, look what's going on in Chicago and elsewhere with the waves of, of, uh, of illegal aliens coming in. They're pushing, they're pushing people out of their homes. They're, they're, all the services are being cut uh, and all this stuff. And it's causing, you know, no matter what they say about it's a sanctuary city and we have to welcome people and this and that, well, when the rubber meets the road of a, of a, of a policy that, that, it, that causes disaster with uh, one group over another group, they're not going to buy whatever the messaging is and whatever you're trying to sell them, no matter how hard you try to sell it. Well, that's that's what, you know, Joe just said that, you know, when, 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 <laughs> when the tip, when the tip, sorry, now that's, he, he made, the, he made the point that when the typical American walks into right. the supermarket and gets punched in the mouth and then drives up to the gas pump and gets punched in the mouth and then looks at his paycheck and gets punched in the mouth, eventually he's going to get sick and tired of getting punched in the mouth. And the, the question is, what is going to happen? Notice my beautiful segue. What is going to happen <laughs> next year when when a, have enough Americans got punched in the mouth enough times to do something about this? That is that is that is that is the eighty two trillion dollar or eighty two million vote question, folks. Will will there be a hundred million votes to 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 put Joe Biden over the top if he's if he's still sentient enough, or even if he is the candidate, which. I think he doesn't want to go. I think he's holding on and they're trying to get rid of him so desperately. It's really, you know, it's causing all kinds of paroxysm and internal fighting among the Democrats. There was a great story last week where, of all people, my, my new, and I hate to use the word hero, uh, Senator John Fetterman and his, <laughs> lump, and his lumpy. lump from Just call him lumpy. lumpy. Lumpy Fetterman from Pennsylvania basically told, you know, James Carville was going on and on about Joe Biden got to go. Joe Biden's got to go. And Fetterman was on told Politico. It really would be helpful if James Carville would just shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I thought that was fantastic. Obviously, you know, and at first I postulated, well, you know, he's being loyal to Joe Biden and we have to have unity. But then I'm thinking maybe this is Fetterman's way of, you know, Operation Chaos, you know, let's support Joe Biden so that he loses horribly to Donald Trump. But I think that's a bit of a stretch. But still, it's uh, it's fun to see these people eat each other alive. Uh, Betterman you know, Harris, 2024. <laughs> uh, what is it? Boy, we only thought Biden's teleprompter performance was bad. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> exactly. But it does. But there are some interesting things going on vis-a-vis -vis next year. And it's. You know, it, now we talk into the, the realms of what happened this past year with all the persecutions against Donald Trump. And before we went on the air, I was trying to recall, I mean, he's been Donald Trump, even when he was president, he was the object of at least two or three impeachment uh, proceedings against him. And then there was and I was looking back on my notes. What, what can we discuss about this? And actually, Donald Trump was there was an impeachment trial the, or the trial went to the Senate. In 2021, when he was out of office for about six months, and I'm going, this is the most insane thing, uh, you know, of all. But of course, you know, America is now a banana republic, so anything goes. Amazing. That insanity is is occurring as we speak. You know, the the yeah. the Colorado Supreme Court decided. I think it was the Supreme Court decided yes. yep. that. Uh, well, you know, he's not going to be on the ballot in 2024, and then uh, they backed down and they put him back on the ballot. Uh, the, for the primary in, in Colorado. And then uh, the state of Maine, I guess the secretary of state of the state of Maine decided 
um, to uh, convict Donald Trump of sedition or whatever the hell the charge is or insurrection and under the 14th Amendment, remove him from the primary ballot uh, in Maine. Now, as far as I can tell, um, Donald Trump has not been tried and convicted of any of these crimes. So for for these these states to act as if he were convicted is offensive in the extreme. It is offensive because it is constitutionally nonsensical, and it is offensive because it it violates the precepts of our country. And that is, you know, we we have trials. We have trials by jury. We have trials in front of our peers, and they are simply ignoring that because, as we have discussed, we are a post-legal country, and they feel that they can do whatever they want because that's how they feel. That's what they want. Yep. Therefore, it will happen. You know, there was yeah, a, there was a, argue. Just a okay. yeah, just they a argue quick, that quick. they don't need a conviction, a conviction. Right. That's their interpretation. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead, JJ. Yeah, just a quick thing. I'll let you go. This this I forgot her name, but this this slag who poses as the secretary of state from Maine. She even said that the reason that she did this was because she was afraid that people might actually vote for Donald Trump and that he, and that he would win. And that was her reasoning beyond you know the other crap of the Civil War Amendment. But I mean, that's their mentality. We're afraid he might win. So I'm going to use my power just to say you can't be on the ballot. Uh, this is, you know, dear Lord, uh, this is like banana republic uh, writ large, if, if anything. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. Yeah. Outlawing your op- opponent, opposing political party is a, a very Latin American and Ukrainian kind of thing to do. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, but it's okay. The only way to defend our democracy is to make sure that people don't get a choice. Um, the and in terms of what does this mean for next year? Uh, don't know. I have a, a couple of predictions. Don't know if anybody cares. But oh, it's, I do. I want to hear. I, 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 um, well, I think it's going to be Trump Biden. Um, I also think it's that we are going to watch the Supreme Court, the big one, the real one, the United Supreme Court of the United States. Um, engage in a lot of very delicate and frantic footwork to avoid weighing in on any of this stuff. I think the the Supreme Court is going to try to abdicate, just like it abdicated in 2020 uh, during the the post-election furor over over some of the obvious uh, hinky activity going on there. Um, So in terms of who wins, don't know. Um, I suspect that it will probably be Joe Biden, but that is neither neither here nor there. The real question in my mind is when we do this year in review next year, um, what is the social situation like in the country post-election? Because no matter what, um, there is going to be lots and lots of very, very angry people who are very sure that they've been done wrong. Um, that I think is is inevitable, and we'll we'll be able to watch that develop next year. Oh, absolutely! It's it's. I mean, I will. I totally agree with you. I, it's it's. I don't think the Supreme Court is going to be able to avoid this, but for sure, we are now at a point where one side is definitely going to whoever wins it or or whatever happens. If Biden obviously gets the one hundred and twenty million ballots to put him over the edge. Um, one one side or the other is going to feel totally robbed. Now, if if our side feels totally robbed yet again, legitimately, uh, the question is, what are we going to do about it? That's who, who knows. Probably nothing, and sit on our hands and probably take it. 
uh, if if Lord willing or maybe not Lord willing, Donald Trump overcomes the massive amounts of cheating that's going to happen and actually does legitimately win after the final vote is counted some 20 years later, um, the left is going to go absolutely apeshit and they will start some violent revolution, I think, that will make 2020 uh, the summer of love, I should say, after the George Floyd incident. That's going to make that look like a walk in the park and a picnic. So no matter what, we are heading for really, really uh, violent days, I think, post post uh, November of 24. Um, it, it's crazy. It's really you know, and, and we talked about this before in a previous podcast, CBD, in that is all this this beating down of, of, of people across all political lines and people abandoning even the Democrat leftists, especially over the tran- tranny madness and now the, the wave of, of Jew hatred in the, in the wake of the Israel-Gaza war. If that boosts, if it doesn't boost Donald Trump over the, over the edge or over the over the finish line, I should say. Are more people who didn't see the cheat before going to see it now and and be angry about it? And what what's that going to do with our society? And and uh, Joe, you say next year, if there is a next year, I should say we'll probably be behind bars in the Gulag Archipelago along with uh, the J six protesters. I don't know that we'll be allowed to be on the air. <laughs> so there's our lighthearted comment for you, folks. <laughs> well, I, let, let's let's face it the the United States is so polarized right now that. Um, there are only a few swing states. And I've talked about my personal um, electoral college map, and that is that uh, the swing states are, I think, are Georgia, Virginia, Wisconsin, and very, very possibly Arizona. Um, everything else is baked into the cake already. Um, you know, Nebraska has proportional voting. So, you know, maybe maybe the the uh, Democrat, the commies will pick up one vote there. And I think Maine has proportional voting also. So maybe it does. Don- OK, so Donald Trump might pick up one vote, one electoral vote there. But that would be a wash. So uh, the question is, uh, can he can he take Georgia? Can he take Virginia? Can he take Wisconsin? And can he take Arizona? He needs three of the four of those. Um, the, the only interesting thing right now is that Pennsylvania um, has a catastrophic year. Uh, in terms of um, of Democrat registration. So it is not outside the realm of possibility that Pennsylvania swings back toward the Republican Party. I doubt it, but it is it is at least remotely possible. But let's not let, let's not fool ourselves. The, the United States is, as I said, so polarized that there are only a few swing states. That's all that matters. Yeah. There was a there was a by the way, just to, to your point, CBD on Pennsylvania, it was a very interesting anecdotal story that a very large percentage of, of Democrats have switched parties and are now registered as Republicans. Yeah. Um, it's I mean, I also saw there was some other thing that some Republicans switched to Democrat, which makes no sense whatsoever, all things considered. But well, um, but you know, that's Donald Trump know. said pussy. Yeah, he also said fight. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> yeah. the world's coming to an end. But uh, yeah, we are we are polarized. Like we might even be more polarized or as polarized as we were probably in 1860. And even back then, in 1860, people still, you know, on both sides, still believed in God, still believed in the concept of the United States of America. Uh, Nikki Haley, up yours, slavery notwithstanding. But uh, you know, another genius. But but now. I mean, one side loves America and the other side wants to destroy America. And we're the ones that are standing in the way of their destruction of America. So even post an election or post anything, uh, where's the reconciliation? It's like 
were almost as bad as trying to reconcile, you know, the, the Jews and the Muslims in the, in Israel. It's just, you know, it's that, bad that's, it's an interesting comparison. Um, 1860 and 2024. Um, and one of the reasons for the civil war was a series of weak presidents who were unable to, to consolidate power, unable to, to, to reform the country um, and make it uh, a little bit less contentious, let's say, uh, you know, who, who was before um, Lincoln? Uh, James Buchanan, I think. James Buchanan. Oh, or Pierce or Buchanan. No, Buchanan. Buchanan. Yeah, he was a piece of shit. Uh, you know, that's just the way it is. And before him, Franklin Pierce, and I don't remember who was before him. But but the idea was that that weak, that weak presidents, uh, you know, they cede power to Congress which is probably not a good idea. There's a, there's a reason why we have the, you know, the tension between the, the president and, and his Congress. And uh, right now we have a very, very weak president who was being driven by the administrative state rather than by his, you know, his goal for, for America. Now, you know, Biden has done an incredible amount of damage to the United States already. But he is still weak, and he is still perceived as a weak president. Anybody there? I'm here. Yeah, I'm, I was giving giving the mic to Joe instead of opening my mouth. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Go ahead and open it, JJ. <laughs> well, yeah, this he, you know, it's and I hate to do this, and we, I just, I mentioned uh, that idiot Nikki Haley before, and. And I know this has always been a, a point of contention and, and, and people get crazy on the blog when we start talking about the Civil War and, and so on and so forth. But really, that that was, you know, unfortunately for America to have been founded, uh, the, the founding fathers had to do this carve out for, I believe it was South Carolina, speaking with Nikki Haley in Georgia, uh, to, to let them become part of, uh, you know, the, to become part of the, the colonies, to become part of the Union, to fight on the Union side against uh, against the crown. And we, you know, that that was the fatal flaw. But the, but the genius of the Constitution was that and, and it set up the, the conflict with the Constitution was that it is a document of freedom that all men are all men are created equal. And so there's this conflict between the so-called Ninth and Tenth Amendment and the state's rights issue and uh, and the Constitution that guarantees that all men are, are, are created equal. But of course, one side decided that uh, slaves are not men. And so they can't be counted. And the other one said, yes, they were. So it's uh, it's un it's an unfortunate and sad legacy that we we wanted our freedom from the British so badly that we had to, um, you know, we had to we had to, you know, let this thing stand and fester for, you know, for about 80 years until a civil war broke out. But to your point, CBD, leading up to it, the three or four presidents before James Buchanan somehow should have used the bully pulpit that they had to to try to end slavery right then and there. Uh, whether they could have done it or should have done it or have the ability to do it. I mean, it's a moot point. We'll, ne we'll never, never know. But, uh, but right now in 2024, we have a completely artificial situation where one group over the course of the last hundred years has burrowed their way into the school system and everywhere else and infiltrated it. I'm talking about communists, of course, and have basically brainwashed the last several generations of American, American youth to hate this country. And then from there, after they graduated school, they became CEOs, they became news people, they became uh, lawyers, they became, 
you know, politicians and, and infiltrated every level of society. So we have a point where, and this was a frightening thing. There was a, a poll uh, taken where a, a staggering number of Generation Z respondents had a favorable opinion of Osama bin Laden. Now, when you have that kind of thing, that is an indicator of just how how far apart we are from the uh, from any kind of reconciliation uh, with one side or the other, because we, we no longer have any kind of a common ground. Joe. Yes, but um, there is a but, um, which is this since we're doing our year in review i think this will will act as a decent enough segue there was something that happened this year um which was for the the first time and it happened on multiple fronts we've seen some meaningful and and effective pushback in the culture war um and that's and it's not directly related to israel gaza it's not related to ukraine russia it's not related to china it's happening inside um you know we had the the bud light disaster and then that was followed on by sort of miniature disasters um at in other retail in brand establishments you know like uh, target and cracker barrel which weren't significant but they they did damage and we had the the continuing of the of the school boards um being a, a major nucleus of conflict and we had uh hollywood's worst year in history um and the the self-immolation for all to see of the walt disney company um uh, on this this altar that you're describing so while we are terribly polarized and it might be that conflict is inevitable and i'm actually in that camp um i think that that there probably will be a conflict before it gets settled one way or the other but there are some silver linings if you look for them on the cultural front where and, and other stuff factors into this the economy factors into this the weakness of american leadership factors into it as well that all of these people who have wrecked the economy and destroyed our storytelling and are grooming our children and are trying to um force me to cut my dick off if i want to drink their beer and <laughs> and all of these people are the same they're all on the same side and we're finally seeing some pushback on the cultural front so if we're looking for a, a silver lining in 2023 which i think has been generally uh, a broad spectrum very bad year um that's the silver lining in my opinion and it it does tie into that polarization and i don't think that polarization has an easy reconciliation but i also do think that the we are starting to see that there are in fact two sides to this and two sides may give people pause if they up to this point thought there was only one side i agree yeah. and, and the i think the catalyst uh, has been going after our children. And I've talked about this at length um, on many podcasts, and I've written yep. about it at, at over at Eight of Spades. But they they crossed the Rubicon when they went after our children. Uh, Target began it by allowing men into into the women's rooms in their stores. Um, they have they have wildly overplayed their hand that when when just you know when Joe Sixpack uh, sees a man in his 11 year old daughter's uh, restroom in school, he freaks out. And for good goddamned reason, because a man doesn't belong in there. And they, that began to open people's eyes. Uh, and I think that the, uh, the trannies uh, competing against women are, is also something ridiculous. You know, Americans look at a photograph of that idiot 
from the University of Pennsylvania, you know, a six foot two inch man uh, wearing a woman's uh, swimming suit competing against women. You know, the guy's six two. He looks like a guy and he's kicking the snot out of every woman at the NCAA swimming championships. Well, gee, what a surprise. Men can beat women. Wow. But that was it was an obvious. It was so obvious. It was staring everyone in the face. And I think that began the, the pushback. I agree. I agree with you. And the one thing, you know, we, we spoke about this uh, CBD on the last episode is that usually in the past when when the left overly, you know, wildly overreaches. Yes, they get clapped back a little bit, but they've also planted the seed that eventually becomes uh, the, the accepted norm, whether it's gay marriage or God forbid it becomes pedophilia. But I think this is this is a line. This really is a red line that 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 is not going to happen. And and if you go and, and, and just, you know, we were talking about uh, what is it, you know, the dissolution and the and the, the divide between people. And on, on a broader front, if you go internationally, this is sort of a segue. Uh, we see populist movements, and to me, populist is not a dirty word in this context. Uh, we have the incredible election of this Javier Millet in Argentina. We have Geert Wilders winning once again the seat in Parliament. Uh, we have Ireland, uh, after a, a stabbing spree by Muslims, uh, uh, some Algerian immigrant going crazy. We had riots in Dublin where people were saying enough of this open borders and letting in the third world into our country. So all of these things are, are you know, harbingers of of people uh, doing the uh, the Howard Beale routine and going, uh, I can't stand this anymore. And, you know, I'm not going to take it. I'm, you know, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. So that's what we need. And that is the pushback. And if any, and we'll talk about this, we'll segue into Donald Trump. If any candidate or any politician can channel that in a, an intelligent yet impassioned way to appeal to the average voter, then I think we, we actually, you know, the, the electoral shenanigans notwithstanding, then at least we have a chance of fighting back and regaining, perhaps regaining our country. Well, I, I think that it is certainly possible. And I and I agree that, that something has to change, that people have to get angry and they have to act. Um, and as I said, I think going after our children is forcing people to act. And as Joe pointed out, you know, the school boards and, you know, Hollywood's worst year. Well, why why is Hollywood having a bad year? Because they're making they're making movies that people don't want to go see. They don't want they, they don't want to bring their children into the theater and show them transsexuals. It's as simple as that. And as as more and more people act instead of just turn off and you know, oh that's that has nothing to do with me, but as more and more people act, then I think that we do have a chance. Now, I I'm not sanguine about our chances. Um I wrote recently on Ace of Spades that uh you know the the confluence of events that has pushed um, the progressives, the the socialists, um, toward the uh, the Islamic lunatics is going to result. And I, and by the way, Joe has written about this much more eloquently than I did. That is going to result in a it, it going to result in a uh, a worldwide war that the socialists are going to lose. Um, unfortunately, we are going to be left in a very 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 bad position if the socialists lose and islam wins yeah islam is a tougher nut to crack i think if they do ever gain control of the world god forbid but you know demographically and so forth they're they're on the they're on the path to, to taking over i mean everybody thought you know 
the Chinese, you know, I mean, because of the one child policy. And there was just news now that China's birth rate is even worse than, than we even thought. Of course, that's not going to stop Xi Jinping from, uh, you know, doing whatever the hell he wants to try to well, take over. The thing know, is, the that China is done. Yeah, they just don't know it yet. But look exactly. at Korea. Korea is even worse than China. I think the the replacement re- replacement rate is about two point one births live births per couple. And Korea, I saw, and I I, I'm, I can't verify this. I saw something like point seven five. Does that oh, make any sense at all? Yeah. Yeah, Korea is likely to actually die as a yeah. culture and a country. Um, you know, if they if they go down the bring in, bring in outsiders to help road, they're finished. If they go down the Japanese road of we need to try to find a way to weather this storm and maintain our our culture and our country, whatever the painful consequences of that are, then they might be diminished but live. Um, China, Japan, in my opinion, which is also in the same condition, um, not as bad as Korea, but it's it's not healthy by any means. Um, Japan is the one to watch because they're the only ones so far who have shown no inclination toward this import people to shore up the numbers strategy. Um, and so we'll we'll see what happens with Japan. Japan might end up uh, having the last laugh diminished as it may be. Yeah, the Japanese are very, very, and and I've been there. They are very, very, very. Uh, uh, I don't know what the word is, jealous, or they guard their culture very, very jealously, and they do not. They they look askance at outsiders who come in. But of course, you know, J- Japan's replacement rate uh, and their birth rate has been tanking. They're they're an aging population. They they do not have the young people to replace them, mostly because of you know tentacle porn and eyeball licking and whatever. Oh, and God. Women, women, Whatever the hell the insanity that the Japanese are uh, are all about post uh, you know post the, the militarist uh, imperial Japan of World War II, but um, yeah, this is you know going back to Islam and and all of these things. It's it's definitely the the battle is going to be between them and the socialists. And right now, they are I, they are officially allied. The 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 left and Islam. Rad, there is no radicalism. The left and Islam are in an alliance to wipe out Israel first, wipe out the Jews wherever else they can find them, and then ultimately subsume Europe and then take us over as well. Um, that is that is happening. If people can't see that, then they're just not they're not paying attention to it. Um, I saw something very interesting. It was a comment. I don't remember where I read it, but um, the, the comparison between the world socialism and the Islamic push for a, a, a world caliphate that is that socialism really has nothing in which one believes. Um, th- there's no there's no overarching philosophical uh, construct to to bring people together under the flag of socialism. It's simply power, and there is absolutely something in Islam that brings people together. Is it warped? Yes. Is it evil? Absolutely. But it is something, and it will draw people toward it, and that is why I think. Uh, Islam will win. And Joe, you've been yep. you've been banging this drum, and you're a hundred percent correct. Yeah, that's that's been that's been my take on it for a while. Is at the end of the day, social all socialism gets you is um, serving the the power of the king and and 
playing with your iPhone, right? It's a, it's essentially a consumerist notion when you get down to it. And it, uh, at least in practical terms, you can set the grotesque, bizarre philosophical underpinnings of socialism aside, they're irrelevant. Um, but in, in Islam, it is a very strong moral code. Um, it's not one that I like, uh, but you, I think that it's undeniable that they do have a strong uh, moral basis. And that provides something that people need. Uh, people need to think that what they're doing is right. And, and the mere serving of power while playing on the internet is not, it, it doesn't make you feel good. It doesn't make you feel like you're doing the right thing. Um and it it doesn't have any fixed rules. This this modern, well, postmodern notion um, doesn't have any fixed rules. So you never know if what you're doing right today is going to be right tomorrow. And religions are very good at providing a fixed basis of rules that allow people to know they're doing the right thing. Um, and Islam will provide that in a way that the socialists do not, um, which is, and also the Islam is quite quite aggressive and often quite violent, which is um, another thing that the, will help them plow the socialists under once they win. Um, and there are there are alternatives to that. There could be another Great Awakening, for example. Um, don't see it coming right now, but then you usually don't. So um, who knows what the future holds? But if it comes down to socialists versus Islam, um, my money's on Islam. Well, you know, it's, as, it is uh, for me as bad as that would be for me. Yeah, personally. exactly. Well, yeah. actually, I remember one of your comments recently, Joe, and that is that, well, I'll be dead. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. unfortunately, no, no, it's not. It, why am I laughing? That's not funny at all. Uh, but it is funny. No. And he's right. He's, he's absolutely correct. We'll be dead. We'll be so. dead. You know, that, I mean, exactly. I'm, I'm glad I'm. You know, I'm, I'm kind of we're sort of over there. I'm 63. So it's like uh, I'm kind he's of too old. old. I know too old to rock and roll and too young to die, but you know, to, to Islam, to the point of Islam and socialism, they, to me, they have always been two, two sides of kind of the same coin. Uh, what they do share in common is that they're totalitarian in their bent and they both preach of a, a paradise on earth. If only we, you know, follow, follow whatever the, whatever the ridiculous precepts are. Islam has them written down in, uh, you know, in the Quran and the Hadith and, uh, and, and socialism is just, you know, the people that are, that are preventing you from paradise on earth are your parents, uh, capitalism and so on and so forth. But that is, they are the weaker sister. And then ultimately once they've served like anything else, once they've served the purpose of being the useful idiots of, of the caliphate, then their heads are going to be the first to be chopped off, uh, after the Jews, of course. But, um, there is, you know, it's it's fine going. We're all going to be dead by then. And and I've you know just to end kind of end on a cheery note. It's not really a cheery note, I guess. Is that I don't have any children, and it's by accident. It's just the way that the cookie crumbled. And I always thought that you know, thank God I don't have any children because I wouldn't want them to be living to be inheriting this world, God forbid. But then again, I thought, my my Lord, what if I had children? who weren't like me and who were like the idiots, like, uh, you know, David Hogg. And I'd want to stick my head in an oven, stick their head in an oven first. But yeah, there you um, go. Yeah. But we don't know the future. We can know the future. And, you know, as long as we're living and breathing and as long as people are pushing back, the thing to remember is our enemies may be strong and they may be everywhere, but they're not infallible. And there is, there are things that are working and I'm a spiritual person and believer in God that, uh, you know, prayer and, and, you know, just, just, joining the battle wherever you can uh will lead to good things down the road we just have to you know as steve miller said got to go through hell before you get to heaven so to speak 
I think that's an important point. And we we can we should do what we can. And that doesn't mean, you know, grab grabbing a battle pack and and marching off uh, to your state uh, capital and and and, um, you know, besieging the the state house. (laughs) No, no, no. Don't do that. But what it means is, is, you know, going to your local school board meetings and and maybe running for one of the positions and and pushing back at every opportunity and pushing back is a quintessential American thing to do. We do that very, very well. We, we, we did it in 1775 and it worked quite well. And we did it again in 1812 and it worked quite well. And we've done it time and time again and we have been successful. And the, the question is, can we return to, to that success? Um, I, I see lots and lots of things that give me optimism and I see lots and lots of things that make me quite pessimistic. And the question, of course, is which will win out? And I have absolutely no idea. That is my prediction for 2024. I don't have a goddamn clue. <laughs> On that note, we're gonna well, we'll I'll, do- I'll throw in there. Go ahead. Any final? I any said final I'll throw thought? in. You'll All right. In. Well, so. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm right, on Team CBD. Right. I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Team BBFM, BMB, whatever the heck it is. Best mother. Best freaking... fucking biscuit maker on earth. That's me. There it is. There it is. CBD is BFB on earth. Anyway, gentlemen, um, let me just say this. It is uh, a point of personal privilege. It is. It is my distinct pleasure to have you both as colleagues and as friends and uh, as compatriots in this. Uh, in this here struggle that we're doing and uh, we're, we're blessed to have you our audience with us on this on this journey we hope that uh, our words and our our both uh, here on the podcast and on the website give you encouragement uh, and uh, give you food for thought and uh, and hope for the future regardless of, of whether we want ourselves dead or stick our heads in an oven but in any event i just want to say on behalf of cbd and uh, and joe mannix and everyone at uh, cut jib news and aces states we wish you a very blessed and happy and healthy and prosperous new year ahead, uh, regardless of what happens. Uh, keep the faith, keep the cards and letters coming, and we will see you again soon on the next one. Thank you so much for listening. And folks, I'm going to jump in and say the, pretty much the same thing. Um, and also, thank you very much for the uh, for the people who have joined us uh, on this podcast. Uh, Joe Maddox, I mean, whenever we have him on, he's great. Uh, he's the grown-up in the room. Uh, he's the one who can speak in complete sentences, which we always appreciate. And um, Joe, thank you very much. Hey, and thank you both. It's always uh, it's always a pleasure and an honor to be able to join you. And I'm, I'm thrilled you wanted to have me on for the the year in review. So uh, I'll I'll echo what the others said and and uh, thank you all. And and thanks, of course, to our audience. And happy New Year. And and I hope everything in 2024 goes swimming. That's it. Happy New Year, folks. And thanks for listening. By the beavers, I-